Welcome to the Western New York Entrepreneur Podcast, helping Western New York entrepreneurs take the next step in their business. If you love Western New York and entrepreneurship, this is the podcast for you. Whether you have been in business for 20 years or 20 minutes, there is something for everyone. David Schaub interviews the top entrepreneurs in Western New York so you can take your next step in your own business. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode. We appreciate you joining us uh, as always. Before we dive into today's guest, I just want to let you guys know of our next event. So as we are speaking in this present moment, there are some tickets left for our next event on October 21st at the Poor Taproom House downtown on Pearl Street. It is like the coolest event place I that we've had. And in fact, I might go on a limb here and say it might be one of the coolest events we've ever done. You literally are your own bartender. You literally go up to the taps, pour your own beer, whether it's wine, seltzers, ciders. It's awesome. Appetizers are free. Uh, since you pour your own drinks, I don't know how much you're drinking, so you're going to get a 15% discount on your uh, your tab at the end of the night. So have a chance to meet local entrepreneurs, have a chance to meet some of our sponsors, and also uh, have a great uh, way to, to, to see one of the coolest venues in Buffalo, at least downtown anyways. Anyways, back to our guest. Gary, uh, Gary is the is an author. Gary is a former entrepreneur as well, but I'm not going to take your story. But anyways, first off, Gary, thanks for being on the show today, man. That's my pleasure, David. Yeah, so I appreciate you. So Gary, for those that don't know the books you've authored, they don't know what you did before you became an author, really just tell us about your entrepreneurial journey. How did you become to really where you are today? Well, it's been a pretty long journey with a lot of sharp turns in it. Uh, started out in retail for 17 years, built up a pretty significant business. And uh, when it came to a point that the city of Niagara Falls was struggling, we ended up closing the business. I got a job in education for a while in teaching. I uh, had a couple of degrees. And then got an offer from the federal government. Worked for the federal government for 22 years and recently retired. But it's towards the end of my, my career with Customs that I made the decision that I wanted to get back to writing. It's something I did early on and never really followed through on it. And uh, now I've written four books, four novels. Uh, the first three were a trilogy, um, Shepherd Chronicles. The books were the, the, the Promise, The Rules, and Crossroads. And the most recent book that came out this year was uh, Stones and Glass Houses, which is a totally separate book, set a separate set of characters. And the books kind of range around the concept of why are we here? What can we do to help other people? What can we give back? Um, and the trilogy was all about that. And to a degree, uh, the, the concept of the crossroads in the trilogy carried forward into Stones. And it's how we handle those moments in our life when we're faced with a big decision or we're faced with the crossroad where we have to choose one way or the other. And I found in my life that most people, they run into these almost on a daily basis, but they negotiate them away. They convince themselves now's not the right time or maybe next year and then it's gone. So it changes their outlook in their life and changes their opportunities. I've had a couple in my life, one I stepped up on, one I didn't, and they've been major changes in my life in both cases. Yeah, there's a lot of different directions I can take this in, but where my brain is going, I, one question I get asked often uh, as well, just from being an author as well, is that how do you write a book? How, you know, how do you, I mean, it's such a broad question, right? So I'm sure you get asked that as well, Gary. I do. So any, so when people ask, how do you write a book? What do you usually say? Everybody's different. Everybody's got a different technique. Uh, there are people who draw outlines and stick to it and they're real rigid in the way they write. 
There are people that are right by the seat of their pants, and they're literally called pantsers. I'm one of them. Okay. Uh, I kind of sit down with a story in my head. I see myself more of a story as a storyteller than a writer, and I just tell a story. And I just type until I finish a chapter or get to a new point and then take a break and maybe come back. But it's, it's just going with the flow. I have the story in my head and wanting to get it down on paper. Yeah, so I, I got to imagine you have an idea of where it's going to end, right? And so do you kind of like, so for me, when I wrote my book, I had like the chapters kind of laid out. And of course, they change as you moved on. It's going to happen. I, I think even the most rigorous planners do that. So things do change. But I got to imagine you have the end result. Do you really just kind of like make it up how we get there? Do you throw like, are you literally mid-chapter? Like, let's say your chapter three, and you're trying to throw some like, tw- oh, let's throw this twist in there. Like, do you do that? Or do you really have those twists and turns all like planned out ahead of time? For me, they kind of pop up. They don't always, not every chapter when I sit down to write it, it comes out as planned. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it just takes on a life of, it own, of its own. Uh, my first book I wrote and uh, submitted it to someone to review it, and they came back and said, you know, that's a really interesting book, but it'd be better in first person rather than third person, which meant starting at page one and writing all over again. And the book changed drastically the second time around. A whole different set of things happened that changed the ending, changed the middle, and kind of led to the fact that it's now a trilogy instead of a one-book story. So uh, you never know where it's going to come from, what's going to influence it, uh, but n- a number of the chapters changed overnight. Yeah, I, I, you must be you must be the nicest guy ever, Gary, because someone said, oh, rewrite the book, and first I'm like, uh, no. And that, like that's kind of how I found out I don't want to be an engineer. That I'd spent eight hours on a draft on by hand, even though we had AutoCAD, and they're like, uh, it's one millimeter to the left or right too much. Redo it. I'm like, I just spent eight hours on this. Just how about you just cut the page an inch off or something or a millimeter off? And I realized I don't have the patience for that. So is well, that is that kind of how it went with you? Or The promises took a year to write. Mm-hmm. And after I got that feedback from a, from a professional, it took me eight, year, eight months to rewrite it. Mm-hmm. So I had to sit down all over again from page one and edit all the them and those to me and my and uh like i said the story just kind of took on a new point of view and a new direction yeah and since this is an entrepreneurial podcast you know leadership has a lot to do with with entrepreneurship and you talk a lot about leaders in your books right even though it's uh, a fiction right you yes. know yeah so so tell us about that well how would you define a leader based on your character and your writing maybe even I think there's certain characteristics that all leaders have. I think there are certain things you can teach it. You can read a book and, and improve the characteristics that you have. I think true leaders, uh, people that are, that are generational leaders, are born that way. And they just take over um, that part of their personality, and people will follow them. Um, there's an old saying that if, you're out, if you think you're a leader and no one's following you, you're just out for a walk. <laughs> so I, I think leaders really have to be dynamic. I think they have to have people that want to not just follow their flag up the hill, but be willing to take the flag off their hands and carry it for them. Mm-hmm. That's the difference in a, between a leader and a dynamic leader. Mm-hmm. Someone who just motivates people to, to follow and to do their best and to, to follow their lead. Yeah, I have more questions about all these things, but I do want to talk about the book itself. So if okay. people are like, okay, we're talking about books. You wrote a couple of books. What are these books even about? And we, and we talked about it being a fiction. So give us an idea of what the books are about. The trilogy uh, is a story about a, a young man named David who uh, decides he wants to be a country western singer, goes off to Nashville. All my books take place in Buffalo, by the way. Um, goes off to Nashville to become a country and western singer and fails miserably. And at the end of a preset time, at the end of a year for him, he came back to Buffalo. Didn't even tell his family he was back. He was just down, depressed. An old partner of his took him on. He became a bartender and just excelled. And for nine months, he just lit this, this whole bar on fire, literally. Yeah. 
and uh, was offered a partnership. Things were really turning for him. Things were really starting to get good. And then he gets in a f- near fatal car accident. And as he's laying on his deathbed, he says to himself, wherever, five, minute, five seconds away from death, don't take me now. I'm not ready to die. I got so much I really want to do. I promise I will serve mankind if you just give me a chance to, to, to live. And he makes a miraculous recovery. And after three months in the hospital, he's packing up his bags, getting ready to go. And he's visited by a messenger who says, you think your, your survival is normal? It was a miracle, and it's time for you to pay up on your promise. Mm-hmm. That promise carries him through the rest of the trilogy. And basically what he did was he went out and met people where they were in their life and helped them find their way back to their path. And in helping others find their path, David found his own. And his sisters were telling his tales as he was traveling on Facebook and on the Internet. And he ended up with a following of over a quarter of a million people who were following his every step, who wanted to live the life he was living and were impressed by the, the changes he was making in other people's lives. And he became a natural leader through that. Um, and that carries through all the way through the crossroads. And uh, it, it was a fun story to write. It was inspirational in a lot of ways. Um, I avoid the term Christianity. It's really not a Christian book, but it's definitely inspirational. Mm -hmm. And it gives people a different option of how to live their life, Mm -hmm. a different way to look at what they do from day to day and what a difference they can make. The subtitle of the first book was One Man Can Make a Difference. Mm -hmm. And that concept is followed through with all the books I've written. Yeah, I was actually going to ask where the title comes from, and there you go. Um, I think that's so cool. I think all of us love the idea of change. We love the idea of impacting others. It's those stories that really inspire us, right, to make real hard changes. And I think most of us, and I, I probably quoted saying this quite a few times, I think most people love cha- the idea of change. They just hate transition. We hate the transition of going from point A to point B. Because a lot, like, I love the idea of having a six-pack. I hate the transition of dieting, right? So I think you yep. get the idea there. So one thing we were talking about, um, or I, I saw here uh, on your on your press kit, is that you know, being a good listener. Dave was known in the books as being a good listener. By the way, good name, by the way, Dave. Um, so <laughs> I have to mention that. That's something I've always wanted to get better at as a listener, as people know from being, you know, on the on this this uh, episode here or the show, is that I can talk a lot, and I really want to focus on being a good listener. How do you think Dave became such a such a good listener, and what it make what makes him such a good listener for anyone that matter? Well, there's a term, active listening, and and what what I encourage people either that I trained in business or people that I trained in the government was don't have the next question in your head. Ask a question and sincerely wait and hear the answer and then determine what you want to say next. There's a people that have a script in their head and those people kind of miss the good points. Mm -hmm. So the trick is to really listen to what somebody has to say and then follow through and lead them in in the same direction. Kind of draw it back out of them to see um, where you can take it. If you follow a script, you're never going to learn what the other person wants. You're only going to get your own answers for what you think is important. Mm-hmm. And you'll miss so many opportunities. So active listening, I think, is the key. Yeah. And that's so hard to do, right? Because you're always formulating a response, you know, or your next topic you're going to talk about. So you sold your, your first business, right? And then you uh, worked for the government and all that. So I know this is really, I know this actually isn't in my thing of questions here, but I want to ask it anyways. And sorry if I'm throwing you for a loop here, but I think you can handle it. <laughs> From owning your previous business, and which was, if I remember correctly, was it carpet? Was it carpet? Okay, mm-hmm. flooring, flooring, right? So owning a flooring business and then uh, obviously working for the government. What do you think those two, what did you take most from them? And how do you think entrepreneurs can draw from that, from those experiences from you, do you think? I think entrepreneurs have a mentality of 
the typical retailer, in my case, is a, is a fireman. He's strictly putting out fires. He's looking for things that are wrong and tries to fix them, listens to people's sales pitches and tries to change them, finds, tries to find a better product to sell. They're constantly looking for ways to fix something. Mm -hmm. When you become an employee, that's not always good because managers above you want to know, want to have the say in what you're doing. If your experience as an entrepreneur is you run into a problem, you're going to fix it. Well, why didn't you come to me with it? Because I had an answer to it and fixed it. Mm -hmm. That makes people nervous. <laughs> so that was what that was the biggest change I saw in working for somebody else. You, the, the entrepreneur's inclination is to fix the problems as they come along. And it's the difference between success and failure. Mm -hmm. uh, to make the problems go away quickly so it doesn't impact your business and maybe it gives you some guidance to better things you can do down the road uh, to, to keep the problems from popping back up again. Hey guys, I just want to interrupt your podcast really quick to ask you a simple question. Do you have electronics still sitting around with valuable data still on them? Did you know that you are responsible for any breach of security on those devices and would be held liable for that breach? Allow Buffalo Computer Recycling to help you with that problem. All data containing devices recycled with them are erased at the highest standards of the data security industry. Along with securely destroying your data, Buffalo Computer Recycling will come to your place of business and remove your end of life electronics in an efficient and reliable manner. Typically within 48 hours, your electronics will be completely out of your hands, not into theirs. BCR will responsibly and securely recycle your e-waste and ensure your data is safe. Help the planet, help your business, give Buffalo Computer Recycling a call today at 716-545-6369. Again, the number is 716-545-6369. Now, back to your podcast. Yeah, that is so good. I think that's why I'm unemployable. <laughs> you know, I don't <laughs> I don't like being told what to do or, or I you have to fix from, I like to fix my own thing. So that being said, you know, I know we talked a little about being an author, but I want to make sure for again, believe it or not, there are so many people that want to be it. But why do you think is one of the biggest reasons why people don't become an author, whether it's a, a story about their life or maybe problems that they solve or keys to success um, or writing a fiction? What, why do you think people don't make that leap? I think they're all the same. The, the key to success, writing a book. For, I hear people say all the time, I got a book in me. I'd love to write a book. They write it. Okay. But they never sit down and do it. Same thing with starting a business. I want to start a business. I want to open a bed and breakfast. You can talk about it till you're blue in the face. But unless you take the steps necessary to make it happen, it's not going to happen automatically. You have to work at it. For me, writing, I had to set a schedule and say, I'm going to sit at my computer, whether I write anything or not, from 9 o'clock in the morning till noon. And if I don't write anything, I wasted three hours. But I'm blocking that time out for doing what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't let anything come in the way of it. Mm. And I think that's, that's in any profession, any, any business, being focused, getting things done as they have to get done, not procrastinating. Procrastinating is the writer's worst enemy. Mm -hmm. Putting it off till the next day. The, the thoughts are gone. The ideas are gone. You're starting from scratch. And you're already disappointed when you sit down because you didn't do it yesterday. Mm -hmm. So I think the key for any businessman is to set your priorities and do them as they need to be done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. And just to piggyback off that, for me, when I wrote my book, I literally told my friends and family, hey, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be basically, uh, you know, uh, missing in action, you know, uh, for the next week. If I don't respond to your texts or calls or don't want to hang out, I, I promise I'm fine. I'm not depressed. I'm literally just writing my book. 
And for me, I do my best work when I wake up. If I start doing anything, I don't even care if it's cleaning the house, organizing something, or doing meetings, or whatever the case may be. My brain is not focused, so I have to like brock. So I think knowing yourself and knowing when you're bat- at best, what gets you in the most creative mindset. And for me, that that was just so important, just is just doing that. And another thing I want to add for our listeners out there, so whether you're writing a book or not, what gets you in the best mindset? What gets you, like, when do you do your best work and how can you somehow fandangle or fix that so you can make sure your best work is coming out in the most important areas of your business? Is it the morning? Is it the evening? How do you block that off? What do you need to change? What next step do you need to do to create that space so you have your best work possible? So I'll stop there, even though I have more I want to say here. So... You went from, so you knew, you knew it was going to be a trilogy right off the bat, or did, once you wrote the book. When I got to the end of the first book, I knew it wasn't over. I knew it had to keep going. But I bet you that excited you too, didn't yeah, it? It was, it, was, it was encouraging. And, and at the end of the third book, I had closed it out. So really, there's possible ways to extend it, but the third book really closed out the story. Yeah, and one thing you know we noticed here is that David has a high-level integrity in the books. So I think it's really cool. You have all these cool like keys here, even though it's not like this is why integrity is important. It's like you're living it through it. And people love stories. Like to me, it's like this is why integrity is important. Here's the definition of integrity versus living it out and you're reading it through the book. So one thing I like about it is that um, don't tell me, show me. But also, um, I actually leave it there. So why is integrity important? And how did Dave do those traits, if you don't mind me asking, in the book? For... I was asked a question at one of the first functions I I did. Why did you do a fiction? Why did you just do a a self-help book and talk about all the things that you talk about with David? And I said, I I questioned my credentials. Who's going to believe me? Who's going to listen to me because who I am? It was easier for me to tell the story as a fiction and create their interest in a fictional character rather than convince them that I have some answers to questions. Mm. Um, And for, for David... He tried to take shortcuts, and it never worked for him. He learned along the way that um, listening was important, talking to people, being there in the moment, and, and just doing what he said he was going to do. Um, he had some issues with integrity when he started out, and he tried to fight this messenger off and say, come on, you don't, this is, you don't really want me. And he just stepped out on faith, and he went out, and he followed through with what he was told to do, and then he was on his own. Um, and I think he created his own level of integrity and belief by his actions. And that's why his following on, on the Internet grew as quickly as it did. Why, yeah, why do you think people are so attracted to this? Like, like to me, like, I mean, I, I'm sure people even list, have an eye roll even listening to this sometimes. At least, at least for me, it's like, okay, yes, integrity, character, leadership. We know this is all important. Tales all this time. But we just don't see it. But yet, when people see it in action, they're so inspired by it. Why is this? Do you, I, I imagine you've thought about this. I think it's a matter of seeing in David who they wanted to be themselves. Mm-hmm. Seeing in a character with integrity, with, with honesty, with someone who followed through on his beliefs, they, everybody wants to do the best they can do. Everybody wants to improve and be a, be a, a winner. They just don't always know the way. And when mm-hmm. they see somebody follow a path from failure to success, it gives them hope. It makes them believe that I can do that. Mm-hmm. If he can do it, I can do it. And people just naturally followed him. Mm-hmm. He was showing up in places, uh, walking out of his hotel room in the morning, and there were three people waiting for him with cars to drive him around to give him help. Lead him, you know, can I get you to Columbus? You need a ride to Columbus? I can get you there. People just wanted to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And he had people that started following him around. David faced his own tragedies. He faced opportunities where he could have just said, the heck with this, and gone off. Mm-hmm. He faced major tragedies in his life. Mm-hmm. 
but he overcame them and he fought through them and he made a difference yeah you know what it brings it brings the human aspect of it sometimes we think it's this superhuman power where they're just raised that way they must have had a, a perfect life or they must have these something i don't have right but when you i think what's cool about the book is that it brings out the human side of it like nope just like everybody else here struggles tragedies their own things in their own perspective not the same as us specifically but in their own different way and i think that's you know to bring that up to that point i think that's why we, we created the western entrepreneur community because I'm a huge believer you are who you hang out with it, who you hang out with, who you're constantly talking to. But also what I like about it is most network events, in my opinion, are, are shallow. They're uncomfortable because you have to put your mask on, if you will, to tell them what you do. And it's about like what you do first, who you are second. We always dehumanize this. But really, we want relationship. We want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, kind of like David and everyone that followed him on that. And that's kind of what we're trying to do here. And that's why we have memberships now. And that's why we're doing this because we want to be like who you are first, what you do second. We're about relationships over everything. So I wanted to do that quick plug in because the book is kind of reminding me of that, like, wow, we're just humanizing everything. And despite our indifferences or not agreeing on everything or just having tragedy in our life, we need people around us. We want to be part of something bigger and better. And I think that's what we're doing for the entrepreneurial community. Not everybody, but the entrepreneurial community here and whatnot. So it, that, that just that just brought it up here. So I do want to, so we're at about the 20 minute mark here, just so you know. So that being said, um, Obviously, have to, people always ask, well, how do you start a podcast? Podcast is relatively simple. It's a lot of, just like writing, it's hard work, even though it's not necessarily hard, it's simple, but it takes, but you have to do it. But half the battle, in my opinion, is marketing. So, right? Like, you can write the best book in the world or have the best podcast in the world, but if nobody knows about it, it doesn't really matter. It's like having a billboard in the desert where no, there's no road to it. So, that being said, um, what have you learned about marketing so far, about being an author? What has worked? What hasn't worked? Let's talk about that. It's, that's a, <laughs> That's a long answer. I, I enjoy the writing prospect. I enjoy the sitting down and doing the story. Uh, the hardest part is when the story's done. Mm -hmm. The hardest part is finding people who believe in the story as much as you do, finding the right tool, trying to get the book published, uh, literally published versus self-published. Uh, all my books are self-published right now. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a matter of belief. It's a matter of believing in the book and then finding a way to get the word out. Mm -hmm. uh, I, and unfortunately, Crossroads, came out just before the pandemic. And then during the pandemic, Stones and Glass Houses came out. And Stones and Glass Houses, um, I think is an exciting book. I think it's my best work, mm -hmm. but it's hard to get that word out. Mm -hmm. uh, Stones is about a guy who um, lied to his family for 30 years and kept a lot of things hidden away from them. And eventually the, the truth came out and all members or seven members in this, this story all told from their own perspective. And they, how they deal with the events, how they deal with this crossroads in their life. And is it going to take them higher? Is it going to take them lower? And what, what made some successful? What cured other people? Um, so mm. it, it's, it's fun books to write, but trying to get people to, to latch onto it, it's hard to get the word out. I mm -hmm. was doing speaking opportunities, book clubs, whatever I could do. That kind of went away with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. and stuff just wasn't there. So now it's just a matter of trying to get the word out. Mm -hmm. And, and Maybe it takes one people, maybe it takes 10 people, and you don't know when tomorrow is going to be the best day of your sales mm -hmm. because of something you did or said yesterday. Mm -hmm. So it's just a matter of plugging, staying with it, believing in what you're doing, and taking every opportunity that comes along. You know, that was really cool is you got a PR person as well. And that's that's smart because, you know, you know a lot of times you're like, well, I'm a really good doctor. I just don't know how to market myself, right? Well, they're really smart at this. I'd rather them be really good at doctor versus marketing because I want them to like make sure I'm okay <laughs> right when I need them yeah. and same things of that nature. So I thought that was really cool that you did that. 
and, and whatnot. So that being said, you know, we have only a few minutes left here. Before we get to like your contact, how people can buy the book, all those other things, is there anything else that you would love to talk to the entrepreneurial community about? Maybe something that I missed, maybe something you're hoping we bring up, or maybe about being an author, or anything that kind of that kind of brings it up here. I think it's a matter of having your dream and never giving up. I think that's the key to all of it, whether it's a business, whether it's a book. Um, you believe in it, believe it in yourself, and forces that concept and makes other people believe in you as well. When you start getting down on yourself or start giving up or start hanging your head, no one's going to listen to you. So I think in life, in writing, in business, you've got to believe in what you're doing. You've got to have that commitment to doing it, whether it looks great or it doesn't look great, because maybe tomorrow will look better. Uh, you just can't, you can't give up. And that's, that came out a lot in, in Stones and Glass Houses, where people just dealt with issues they never imagined themselves being in the middle of, um, and surviving and growing. Mm-hmm. And I guess you mentioned something a few seconds ago about um, finding a PR person. I think sometimes ego gets in the way of businessmen where they think they can do everything. Um, recognize your skills, recognize what you can do best. And if you can't do it well, find someone else who can do it better and have them work for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, and that's what I'm trying to do with books. I brought on Marie as a, as a PR person, and she's terrific. And she's helping me get the word out. I could have kept doing it the way I was doing it for years, and obviously it wasn't working. So mm-hmm. keep plugging. Keep trying. Yeah, I think that's so good. Um, so that being said, for those who want to purchase the book, uh, they, you know, or they want to find out more information about you, Gary, What's the best way to do it? I know you have your own website, so tell us about it. Gary Friedman Books uh, is, is my website. You can buy the books, either the digital version or hard copies, uh, there. Uh, there's also a set of blogs, probably about 25 blogs I've written. Mm-hmm. be more coming. Uh, and it's just, again, following the same concept as the books and what we can do as human beings to make a difference in this world, mm-hmm. how we can improve our lives, how we can improve the lives of others. And in doing that, you improve yourself. My books are also on Amazon. Um, Trilogy is in the, the shelves at Barnes & Noble on, in Niagara Falls Boulevard and at uh, Eastern Hills Mall. So they're instantly available there. And uh, you want them, I'll find a way to get to you. Even if you're looking for speakers for your group, mm-hmm. uh, I'll be more than happy to come out and do that. Too. Yeah, I know, I know book club, clubs are pretty prevalent here, and I'm sure people are getting back to normal in that way. At least we're trying to, right? At least we're trying to. Anyways, Gary, uh, that's basically the time we have for today, man. Uh, I really appreciate your time. I think what, one thing that really sticks out to me is I thought it was really cool that you've had these these almost like these three different, like, uh, you know, I, I guess I'll call them past lives in a way, right? And here you are doing another thing, chasing what you love. And it's, it's really apparent that you love doing this. Like when we talked about it originally, then we're doing it today. It's just so apparent that you love what you do and your impact. It's like that's so important to you. I think that's so cool because I think when people get to their second half, they're just like, well, I guess I'm just going to go off to the sunset, but not you, Gary. <laughs> I retired two years ago, David. I'm busier now than I've ever been. So yeah. it's, it's just a matter of, of what kind of life you want to lead and how you want to lead it. Yeah. And I think it's so important to be, again, intentional with that and knowing what you want, not just listening to what everybody else wants for you or what everybody else says or culture. Uh, I think that's so important. Questioning in such a positive, healthy way of what we want, why we're doing it, why we're doing this. Is this really where we want to go? Is this really leading to what we want to do? And if we're not being honest, sometimes even me, I don't like the answers I'm giving myself. But you know what? We can change that. And I think it's so cool that the books, really, you know, I think it's cool that it's, it's an epitome of that. Um, so thanks for your time today, Gary. My pleasure. And we'll talk to you soon. If you loved listening to the Western New York Entrepreneurs Podcast and want more, subscribe to it and head on over to 
wnyentrepreneur.com for articles, what's coming up next, and to get involved. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.